0: On today's episode of Locked On Suns, breaking down how the Phoenix Suns came oh so close to winning an instant classic in San Francisco and what went wrong down the stretch. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show. Wherever you get your podcasts, a big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen on this Sunday. Maybe a little pre Super Bowl drive. Maybe you're running some errands. Maybe it's Monday. In which case, hope the sick feelings are not too bad after Super Bowl Sunday, wherever and whenever you are. Thank you for being here. If you haven't already, hit follow or subscribe. Get the show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. It has been an awesome stretch of Suns basketball. Saturday night, in my opinion, was an instant classic. So if you are happening to find us for the first time, Hit that button wherever you're finding us. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. Get a show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to the Phoenix Suns all season long. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 113-112. If last season's defining game post-KD trade was the Mavs game on Sunday, matinee, ABC nationally televised, this was the defining game of this season so far. A lot left to go. But sometimes in the NBA, you just get these clashes. You just get these matchups between teams at the perfect moment in the season. And for anyone who says they hate the NBA regular season, tell them to go back and watch this game or tell them to tune on, tune in for the next one because um, both teams riding three-game winning streaks, both teams playing solid basketball for a month-plus, rivalries, beefs, grudges. This was a playoff game. This was a playoff-intensity-level regular season NBA basketball game between two teams with a lot on the line and two teams with a lot of history. And it lived up to that billing. Flat out. No way around it. This was an amazing game. And we'll start with the moment of the game, as we always do, because a lot of the time with great games like this, you end up really focusing in on the end. We will not just focus in on the end here, throughout the show, but that's where you have to start. So... Specifically, the Suns called a timeout with five minutes and 23 seconds left in the game, down three. All right. From that point on, Devin Booker would score or assist on each of the Suns' final 16 points of the game. They had a chance to win this game in terms of their offense because of him. Not saying he's the only guy who played well, but this was a matchup where everybody in that starting lineup started out of rhythm. The Suns only shoot 46% from the field overall in this game. It was even lower than that most of the night because Booker himself was out of rhythm to open things up. He forced a pull-up three early in the game. He forced that mid-range jumper kind of at the free-throw line, half post-up, half drive to the basket over Wiggins's hands early. That didn't go in. Durant wasn't able to, to get comfortable. Beal, everybody, right? Grayson Allen had a pretty poor game. I think he might have been the, the weakest link, in my opinion, across this entire game. And so they, they were, I mean, they did not earn this game being as close as it was until this stretch. And they had some good bench moments and Beal did have it going, um, I believe to close the first half. Um, but look, they put themselves in position to win this game because of what Booker was able to do on offense. scoring or assisting on 16 straight points to close it out. On the Warriors' side, they were doing a good job, as we look at these final five minutes, of, in addition to Booker going off, not allowing Curry to go off. Right? He takes a deep pull-up three at about 356, that he misses, other than that, you had one shot where Draymond made a layup, not a lot of resistance at the rim, you had another short roll pass uh, to Draymond layups, I believe, um, only one was assisted by Steph, you had another short roll pass from Steph to Draymond that ended up in a Kaminga alley dunk. But Mo, I mean, that's what you have to do with Golden State, right? All you can possibly ask for in a lot of cases is to say, get the ball out of his hands, out of Steph's hands. And especially this incarnation of the team where, of course, there's no Durant, but there's not even an elite clay. There's not even, you know, um, a Wiggins or Draymond is not, fully at his absolute peak, although he was great in this game, which I think went a long way in these situations where Steph had to get rid of the ball. But of course that flipped, right? (laughs) About a minute left in the game. And that's the thing with Steph. He misses, he made his, he only made nine threes in this game, only. He made nine threes in this game. He made his seventh three with about three minutes left in the third quarter. So, Over the last 15 minutes of game time, he only made two. He misses two heading into the final stretch of the game. But as I was just saying, you can get the ball out of his hands. You can have Kevin Durant block a Kaminga dunk off of good ball movement with Kaminga crashing from the dunker spot and Durant reading and reacting to that play, making an all-time defensive effort. And even, honestly, shout out to Bradley Beal for getting the rebound on that play. I don't think that got enough love because obviously Kaminga gets his miss back and puts up another one off balance. And at that point, KD had done enough to end the possession. But then for Beal to grab a rebound in traffic was huge as well. And then, of course, there's the jump ball and everything else. You can do all of that. But when Steph puts his mind to it, we'll talk about the game-winning shot in a moment, but even the layup before that to retie the game after a Beal pull-up jumper on the roll was maybe not on the roll. I think it was a attack, a closeout, get to your mid-range jumper. Curry gets Grayson Allen in space, drives downhill, and gets a floater slash layup in a game where both teams were missing easy shots at the rim all night. Of course, Steph does not in that moment. And then there's the final possession, right? And this has gotten a lot of discussion online from what I've seen. And it's important play. Obviously it's the game winner, but you just have to tip your hat to golden state. I think if you're going to pinpoint anybody on the Suns who made an error, I think you would say two things, right? So Steph it's 3.1 seconds left in the game. Warriors call a timeout. Clay comes in for Kaminga as a spacer. Pajemski is inbounding the ball. Draymond is at the free throw line. Or he starts out on the left wing and then, uh, like, left baseline and comes over to set a screen. KD is on Curry. Beal is on Draymond. And the Warriors get the the switch that they want. They want cur They want Durant to not be the one contesting Curry's jumper because of his length, and so with Draymond being their best screener and their best IQ offensive guy to just read that play, they get what they want, and Beale ends up being the one having to switch out onto Curry. Booker makes an incredible recovery to just get another hand in Curry's face, but he takes off from he 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 pulls up from thirty three feet and makes a shot that A, only he would take, and B, basically only he would make, right? Maybe it's him and Dame and Trey, but frankly, to come off of a screen like that at a full sprint, catch the pass the way that it was delivered, I, I mean, to me, that really is only him. But if you're going to pinpoint anybody who made any sort of mistake here, I think you would have to say Beal trying to shoot the gap and get the steal and not, I don't even know if he was trying to get the steal. I think he was just sort of trying to make the catch and the pull up uncomfortable. But I think he underestimated the fact that that pass from Pajemski, the way that it was delivered, a little bit outside of the pocket, that's him knowing that Steph has three full seconds here. This is not one second like it was on the final play with Durant. Beale interpreted that pass as off. A little bit when it was not I think that's exactly where Pajemski tried to deliver it it may have even been something where they've discussed that and that's actually where Curry wants that pass I don't know but it wasn't a mistake Beal tries to kind of gather up toward that Curry catches it turns around now Beal's out of the play Booker's not able to get there in time and it's and it's over I think you could also say Vogel maybe should have had somebody else defending the inbound pass, but you're splitting hairs at that point. The point is, the Suns, I think, on the road against a hot Warriors team, we can say they were were outplayed. Booker does everything he can in a night where shots just were not falling for this team to get them in position to win it. They make multiple solid defensive plays, but especially Durant's block. And it comes down to the end. And on this particular night, Curry and that Warriors offensive machine was just the better thing. That happens in these big games. That happens in playoff games, which is exactly what this one felt like. And if it was a best-of-seven series, I don't think we would go to bed on Saturday night feeling like the series was over, which is why I'm not all that in my feelings about this loss. But we'll talk about how the Suns rose to the occasion in a postseason type of environment, in a test for this team that they have not gotten many of next. First, today's show brought to you by... LinkedIn and LinkedIn Jobs in particular. Here's the deal. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn Jobs because they help me get my job. And when you're hiring for a small business, which is where I work, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else, all while making the process easy and intuitive. I work for Awful Announcing, where I write about sports media. I found that job on their company page, clicked through the job, found the description, figured I was a qualified candidate, applied, was able to find the hiring manager within that, Got on an interview within a week, got the job within two or three weeks. LinkedIn Jobs knows that small businesses are wearing many, many hats and might not have the time or resources to dedicate to hiring. That's why they're constantly finding ways to make the process easier. And 2.5 million small businesses have switched over to LinkedIn for their hiring. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash nba That's LinkedIn.com slash nba to post your job for free and join 2.5 million small businesses using LinkedIn already. Terms and conditions apply. Let's keep it rolling here. A playoff atmosphere requires a playoff level of intensity, a playoff level of execution. Did the Suns bring that? Well, obviously. Obviously, they did because the game was a one-point game. Every quarter was within five points. I mean, man, th- th- this was such a fun one. I watched it at, shout-out to Trevor's Liquor on uh, on McDowell. Watched it there with a, a crowd full of Suns fans. Um, watched it back this morning and was tweeting away a storm and clipping little things out and, and finding stats and all sorts of stuff because, I mean... Look, it's fun if you love basketball. It's also a perfect test for this team because even if you would love how they've played the past month or two, and I do, I think they've played great since Beal came back for the final time and they've had the big three healthy for a while, but they haven't exactly had a ton of of really high-caliber tests, right? Beating the Mavs on the road, that's big, but it's, I mean, Kyrie didn't play, and it's also... Look, it's a, it's a rivalry. It's an intense matchup. Grant Williams was acting like a, a, a moron and everything else, but that's not a, a championship contending team in Dallas, right? The Warriors, maybe we don't think of them that way, but they won the title two years ago. That's a veteran team, and they've been playing great lately, and it's on the road. These are the types of tests that you have to ace, right? Something that Dallas or the Pelicans or... Miami a couple times or the Pacers without Halliburton like you just you cannot replicate it and so I think the Sun should feel great frankly I, I really do because if 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 the first quarter goes better I think that and obvi- I don't mean that from a points standpoint I think their defense was leaky I think that they played very very poorly on that end of the court and their shots weren't going in until the end of that quarter if if they bring it from the first quarter on, I think that they have an even better chance to win this game than they did. Maybe they don't need that Booker flurry. Maybe they're the team up a few with five minutes left rather than the other way around. That said, there is also something to be said for responding and, and getting it together in a game like that. I mean, there's been a lot, you know, there's been plenty of games. Every NBA team has games where you come out sluggish and you're just down 20 before you realize it and and it's over, right? The Suns did not have that. And not only that, they were able to withstand the inevitable. Curry picks his spots in the first half and then what does he do? First minute of the third quarter, bangs a three. And they handled that. They only lose the third quarter by three. They win the fourth quarter by four. So, overall, I think you have to be pleased. As far as individuals, I wanted to talk about two guys here in the starting lineup um, that underperformed, right? You can focus on the Nurkic and Draymond stuff. I think Draymond came out very, very determined in this game in a way that is, I don't want to say rare for him, but. I mean, it's, it's once a month maybe that he can will himself into having a positive impact as a scorer, which is just not his game anymore, and he did that to, in this game, right? So that's not going to happen all the time. But nevertheless, Nurkic was just not good enough, right? No matter how that little beef affected the game or the fact that Draymond brought it and everything, it doesn't matter. Nurkic had opportunities once in the post against Clay early on, once in the post against Kuminga early on. He had a a roll to the basket, I believe, in the third quarter where he missed a bunny. That was around the time where him and Draymond started to do the too small stuff and get into it with one another. No trips to the free throw line. I mean, look, it's not about Aiton here. It's just to say part of how the Suns were able to Turned this matchup into a very interesting, close set of games over the past few years is because they used their size to their advantage. The Suns were not a huge team. They never have been in this era with James Jones, but they still could dump it to Ayton in select situations and score off of that. And not just Ayton, any of their centers. The fact that Nurkic wasn't able to do that cost them early in this game. On the defensive end, it's going to be hard for him. It's going to be difficult when they're using Draymond as a passer. They're running off-ball stuff where you have to switch it. And so then Nurkic gets switched and just ends up... It's not even like his fault, but when Draymond is setting an off-ball screen for somebody and that shooter is flying off of it. There's a reason every team guards that the same way. It's because it's kind of all you can do, which is to switch it, because otherwise the defender of the guy coming off the screen is just already so far behind the play. So instead, you send the guy guarding the screener off with that guy running around the screen just to catch up, and that's fine. But when that's Nurkic and all of a sudden now he's switching on to Klay Thompson or something, even if they don't use Klay, now you've negated whatever Nurkic is out there to do because he's out in the corner. He doesn't have the quickness to come recover to protect the rim. And then it's just sort of on defense, what's the point? Which is why you saw this team close small. But when he is out there, he still needs to be making an impact. And so the missed opportunities on offense really hurt them. So I would say if you're creating uh, like a tally of the good and the bad in this playoff test, Nurkic was a bad. Nurkic, you know, they're going to have to adjust to utilize him better and he's going to have to realize the burden that's on him to make an impact in his limited minutes. Grayson Allen is the other one. I thought early in the game and really throughout it, He did not come with the level of intensity that's necessary and focus that's necessary and effort to guard Steph. It is a full-time job. And I think, too, now that the Warriors are clicking more, you saw very quickly how small Allen can look, right? It's one thing when he's guarding Steph, but when he's... Especially on the other end of the court, and he is on offense, maybe trying to shoot over a contest, trying to drive and kick, drive and score. And, you know, it might be Steph, Gary Payton, Kaminga Wiggins, and Draymond or something. Outside of Steph, everybody's huge. That's how the Warriors have been built forever. And you could feel that that affected him. It's why he's two of six from deep, only two assists, just not really affecting the game all that much. And then when you combine that with the defensive mistakes, guarding Steph, losing him off the ball, ball watching a little bit, not communicating, it's not like he was a killer, awful defensive guy in this game, but he just didn't rise to the occasion to be a huge positive. And in the playoffs... Everybody has to be contributing something. It's why you see guys get one stint on the court and then get benched and and things like that because you just can't afford the the mental errors. You can't afford inconsistencies. and, and, And unfortunately, those two guys didn't bring it. But that's still, to circle back to the beginning of the segment, the big three were cold early. It didn't look great, but guys like Akogi... Guys like Eubanks with two steals and two blocks, and of course the big three getting back on track as scorers, they figured it out. And again, if I went to bed on Saturday night and that had been a playoff game, I would have been, let's let's effing go for game, whatever the next one is on Monday night, two days later, right? Like that this should not be a failure for the Suns, despite some of those mistakes, despite some of the guys not stepping up and the way that the last possession went, or the first quarter went, or whatever you want to point to, I think it's a, a lot of reason for optimism. Let's close out the show looking at lineups, stats, everything behind the scenes, under the surface of this game, as well as how Royce O'Neal looked in his debut. First, today's show brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? If you've ever wondered... What adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capability to take your adventure to the next level, starting with the Nissan Rogue. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. And gone to the days of connecting your phone and messing around with The complicated tech instead, Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. All of that makes the 2024 Rogue the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. In addition, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has room up to eight and expansive cargo capacity and advanced available 4x4 capability with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing. When adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop nissanusa.com Closing out the show. Some stats. Some lineup facts. Some observations behind the scenes under the surface of this game. Let's start with... How did the Suns compete in a game where they lost the possession and the three-point battle? I will start by saying I don't have a great answer for this. But in the postseason, if we're treating this as kind of a tune-up for the playoffs, as I've said countless times already in the show, that unfortunately, whether whether you like it or not, is how these games get decided. And the Suns had one more turnover than Golden State. They had... Four fewer offensive rebounds than the Warriors, and they made six fewer threes. So it's sort of crazy that they even had a shot here, which is again why I said, like, you combine that with the wonky first quarter, and it's like it's a testament to this team's resolve that they were able to mentally buckle down and. Have Give themselves a shot. But if I try to look at why this happened, it comes down to a few things. One, free throws. The Suns got to the line five more times, and they made nine more free throws. Okay, so that's huge. In addition, as I mentioned in the last segment, the Warriors were really bad at the rim. So the Warriors were 19 of 35 at the rim. So they got to the to the rim almost twice as many times as the Suns. 35 attempts compared to just 18 attempts. But, again, they only got fouled three times on those shots, which is not a very good rate. And they only made seven more shots at the basket than the Suns did. So, Really, I guess you could say it kind of came down to the Suns making a lot more of their mid-range shots, the Warriors making some more threes, and the Suns being slightly better at the rim, as well as the free throws. And then this would be the last part, so despite the Suns having more turnovers, Points off of turnovers was pretty equivalent. And then even though the Warriors were able to get a lot of offensive rebounds, they weren't like amazing at converting those into second chance points. So the Warriors had, crap, second chance points is never on ESPN and I don't have another box score up. But it wasn't like they got 14 offensive rebounds, 13, sorry, and they got like 28 points off of that, right? Like that's that's like the best case scenario for putbacks and it wasn't there. But still, you piece it together, it's like you, you would maybe think, okay, the bench really favored the Suns, the starters really favored the Warriors. Not really, it was sort of just, how did, how did the Warriors play when Steph was on the court? So they're plus 10 when Steph is out there. The Suns won the other minutes by 9, right? Because it ends up being a one-point game. So 34 minutes with Steph. The Warriors win those by 10. They lose the other 14 minutes by 9. And that's how you get these very, very close games. But speaking of bench versus starters... The only thing I really wanted to check in on is, obviously, to just reiterate, the Suns closed small. I think Josh O'Kogi should have played more minutes in this game as we do a little bit of a bob vibe check here. Only 10, especially with how much his shot was going in. Yes, the Warriors are smart enough and well-coached enough that if you put a non-shooter like Okoge out there, they will adjust their scheme. They will make him shoot. They were putting Pajemski on him. They were putting... Bigs on him, and they were just leaving him. That sucks, but especially, again, to circle back to the fourth quarter, the Suns were using Grayson Allen as a screener to get Steph Curry onto uh, Booker. I guess you would say if that was a Kogi in Grayson's place or Gordon's place, more likely that's a big man. And maybe that's not quite the mismatch the Suns would want if it's I don't think it would be Draymond. Maybe, maybe they would just put Draymond on, on a Kogi, and then that neutralizes. But still, then you just whoever Steph is guarding, you just have that guy set the screen instead. So it just and and they weren't even using Grayson Allen as a as a popper when he would set those mismatch hunting screens. So I just couldn't find a great reason why a Kogi wouldn't be on the court not just on that final possession, but more late overall in place of Gordon or against Allen with how well he was doing against Steph and how much of a groove he did seem to be in offensively, creating offensive rebounds, making his shots, all that stuff. So that's what I would say. The other thing is now after this game, you have seen 38 minutes of the Suns' quote-unquote laser lineup, and they closed with it down the stretch of the game. Booker, Beal, Allen, Gordon, Durant. In those 38 minutes, the Suns have outscored their opponents by 21 points per 100 possessions. Or let's say 2.1 points per possession. Or would that be 0.2 points per possession? That's a great number. That's a great number. And it, again, just signifies... This team's situation right now, as this whole game did. They're not going to kill the other team and suffocate their offenses. Their defense is not going to be how they win games. That is driven by a one that that net rating with those five is driven by a 136 net rating, uh, offensive rating, sorry, and a 115 defensive rating. A 115 defensive rating is mediocre. But that 136.3, I mean, that's off the charts. And and that's just going to continue to be it. Maybe one different change could be to put Royce O'Neal in that lineup. I liked some of the passing that I saw from him. Uh, He made a contested three. Overall, it was a get-your-feet-wet game. I would like to see more. I'm going to spend Monday's show with Brandon. Well, the one we record on Monday going into Tuesday, talking about if O'Neal could be a starting option for this team, and much more. So stay tuned there. I liked the initial returns. But that will wrap us up for the day. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe. Get a new show in your feed every single Monday through Friday. Back on Tuesday, breaking this game down a little bit more, looking at that O'Neal stuff I just mentioned, and diving into a back-to-back coming up this week against Detroit and Sacramento. Enjoy those. Enjoy your Monday, enjoy the Super Bowl, and I will catch you all on Tuesday.